Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Bulls on Tap. I am your boy Buzz, and I am joined in person by my dude Keith Franz, aka Bull Scripted. We are here after a Chicago Bulls live practice we got to attend today. And Keith, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. I'm in the Buzz Cave for the first time. It's a nice setup we got here. Uh, pretty stoked about what we got to witness today. Had a lot of fun at the uh, season ticket holder event. Got to see, you know, Jim Boylan take command of a practice. Tell Denzel Valentine to uh, <laughs> not be a bitch and pass the ball in point five <laughs> seconds. That was that was probably the highlight of the practice for me. Got to be a point five man, Denzel. Get that bitch out of your hand. <laughs> Get that bitch out of your hand. So we got to go to a season ticket holder um, live practice today, and uh, you know me and Keith can't do it any other way but drink a couple beers, have a nice time, and enjoy some really good basketball. And that's what we got to do today. And we're gonna explain to you guys what we got to see and what we liked and what we didn't like. And I think. What we didn't like is going to be the consensus overall number one pick of what we didn't like, and we'll get to that in a minute. But first, be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at BullsOnTap, at BullScripted, which you can find Keith at there. It's at BullScripted. So it's BullScripted. And then you can find me at BuzzOnTap. Um, so let's get into our favorite things and our dislikes from today's live practice. So a real cool thing is that I know a lot of people don't like Jim Boylan because I think they um, maybe were expecting somebody else, right? No, yeah. I what mean, a I think personal it, guy, though. No, yeah. He walked throughout the whole entire stands on the side of the stadium that everybody was sitting on, shook everybody's hands, greeted them, um, and he seemed to command the practice pretty well. I know Jimbo's kind of corny in a lot of his sayings, but uh, it is very evident that he genuinely cares, and I do think that will go a long way with this team. I agree. So, I mean, from <laughs> from the first, like, you know, ball drop to the last ball drop, Jim was just all on his players and held everybody accountable. And we've seen countless times where he was chewing out Zach or KD or whoever just to be like, hey, man, like, this is what we're doing right now. We're in front of our fans. Like, it is not time to take it easy. And I, I like that. And not that I want to see those guys get bossed around by any means necessary. That's not what my point is here. It's just like I thought. I just thought it was like this guy's the same guy at the you know at the Advocate Center to he, that he is at the United Center. So I was very happy with that. Um, another thing I was really happy with was just the play of Daniel Gafford. Definitely. And yeah, I, I want you to touch on that because I mean you know me, I get too homerish and I. <laughs> I can't believe how good that fucking kid was today. No, I mean, Gafford just on every aspect. The defensive end, you kind of expect. Um, even saw him in the uh, corner three-point shooting drill that they did, knocking down some of those. So maybe that's something to look forward to in the future. But out the gate, just a hard worker, um, constantly giving the effort, even in a public practice setting. And you could just see it flowing through. Um and it was really exciting to see. You know, you draft somebody in the second round, and usually second round picks, 
you don't have the highest expectations for, but I truly expect Daniel Gafford to be a rotational piece for this team by the end of the season. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, you know, and I guess that kind of brings us into what we were laughing about the whole time during practice and the whole way home and the whole time that we've been talking about what we witnessed today, but Daniel Gafford kind of needs to be in the rotation because fellatio today looked horrible and he was chewed out countless times in front of us and i again this was a practice okay this was not like you know someone putting on a show because i don't like i don't take boylan to be that kind of guy i think that he's like i was saying before i think he's the same guy as he is at the advocate center that he is at the united center fellatio's bad and i mean we knew this before but he's real bad no, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's bad when you watch Felicio in a game and you see him with that dumbfounded look on his face every time he does something wrong. But when you're watching <laughs> an organized practice where he should know what's going on and he still can't complete a bucket or know absolutely anything that's going on around him, it is it is baffling to think that this man garnered a $8 million contract for a year. Um, and with Wendell Carter Jr. sitting on the sidelines today, Felicio was ultimately forced into action on every unit that they had and it was it was disgusting i mean his defensive rotations he looked lost his offensive rotations he looked lost the hustle um i feel was questioned two or three times i i heard jim get on him about the hustle which is what i think that he kind of prides himself on in his overall game is hustle right because i he's not like you know a hundred percent skilled on the offensive end he's not very skilled on the defensive end so that hustle thing is what kind of you know keeps you from here and if you're not you know obviously you can't see us right now in person but like my hand is like mid-level to here which is high level kind of a player and you just see how he does not really fit in and what the Chicago Bulls are trying to do or trying to be and again you can't blame Jim for that you can't blame Chris for that I mean that you're gonna hand me a thirty-two million contract four year, you know, four years, eight million a year. I'm gonna sign it too. Yeah, and uh, honestly, the, the goggles weren't helping. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it almost made him that much more of a joke today to just see him taking them goggles on and off. Um, and ultimately, uh, hopefully, Wendell stays healthy and Gafford shows what we saw today so we never have to see Felicio touch the floor again. Right. So we're going to get into a couple of rotations, a couple of drills that we got to see today. So they did a, a really awesome, um, it was a four-man drill, I believe. It was a you know someone throwing the ball from the inbounds, and then you had three dudes running up the court against the coaches. And there was five coaches on the court, but it was three guys coming up on the offensive end. And something that we got to really see cool today was the uh, Tomas Sadoransky and Kobe White pairing. And that was something that I, I found surprising, and I actually tapped you know on, on Keith's shoulder, and I was like, damn, dude. I'm like, these guys look like they have a pretty good repertoire together. I, th- I feel you know they look, look pretty close. And I just want you to touch on like what you saw out of them. I'm going to touch on what I saw out of them. It, just, it seemed very confident together. They knew their role. They knew where they were supposed to be, and they capitalized. I think it was like six drills in a row we saw where they capitalized. And I was very surprised by that because a couple times they went up against the starters. And I know it was Thad Lowry, but, I mean, still, they went up against the starters and they, you know, and they made something happen. No, yeah, I mean, they had kind of split up the two teams and they were switching off a little bit. But for the most part, it was Dunn, Archie, Levine, Lowry, and Thad 
against the uh, backup unit, which had Kobe and Sato on it. And their continuity together did look really good. It showed you some promise to see that Kobe is going to be comfortable both on and off ball. We saw a lot of solid playmaking ability from Kobe today. He made a lot of good reads. Uh, had a really nice no-look pass during the scrimmage. And it, you could see that his comfort level was higher than I at least expected going into today. Yeah, I, I man, I agree. And, you know, I don't know why I got so hyped because I, I'm a big KD guy. This is something that we talked about, I mean, obviously way before we came on the air or whatever. It's just us talking in texts or whatever the fuck when we're talking. But I'm a huge KD guy. But the excitement I get from Kobe White, brings me back to the excitement that I got from Lowry Markkinen. And I like Wendell Carter Jr. a lot. You know, it's not I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But, like, when we drafted Lowry, it just felt like a different kind of feel because you're kind of getting a different kind of player, someone who's kind of special. And, and Kobe White today, I felt like every time, I mean, maybe he didn't make, like, the craziest plays, but every time he got the ball in his hands, that's kind of how I felt. His midi looked good. His IQ Look good. I mean, he did commit two turnovers that I remember vividly today. But I mean, the the team was just playing real fast, so you know, I I, I don't want to pin it just on him. But God, did he look so good? And then with with Sadoransky and I, he he is a big sleeper for a lot of Bulls Nation because they're not talking about him a lot, and I think they should be. Well, they definitely should be. I think the two major signings that the Bulls made this offseason and Thaddeus Young and Tomas Sadoransky are going to go very under the radar for casual fans of the NBA because maybe you didn't watch them a lot. Um, but what these two players are going to bring to this team is kind of... It's like a steadying hand. Like, you know what you're going to get from them. Thad's fluidity in practice today, just seeing the way that he handles the ball for somebody his size, and they had him playing at the five a lot. It was yeah. Ari at the four yeah. and Thad at the five, which is something I think we'll probably see, especially if Wendell Carter's still a little banged up heading into the season. But just those two signings alone, and the two draft picks, like I'm, I'm stoked for the season. Like Gafford's going to be a steal of a second round pick. Um, most of you know I was much higher on Reddish than I was Kobe White, and I probably still am today, but I'm very excited to see what Kobe can do because he does have a lot of skills that translate to today's game, and in a multiple ball handler system, I do think Kobe is going to flourish. We saw them pushing the pace today, kind of emphasizing the three-point shot, which is a lot of what Bulls fans were worried about with Jim Boylan remaining the head coaches. Are we just going to be feeding the post? Or are we just going to be playing old school ball? But it seemed like the movement is completely towards pace and space, which should excite Bulls fans. And and that's something that I want to bring up too is like one of our dudes we got to you know see there today. Even though for it was for a short bit he was with his he was with his son, but see Red Fred asked that question to Jim Boylan today, and Jim Boylan's answer was pretty simple yet it said everything. Did you just watch practice? Because they're pushing a lot of th- a lot of three point shots came out of practice today. Whether it was the five on five scrimmages or it was what we were explaining to you before. I mean, uh, we saw a lot of threes today. You saw Denzel heavily in the in, you know in in a lot of the practice shots in, in practice plays and scrimmages shooting a lot of threes. And that's another guy I want to touch on. Damn man, 
another guy that I don't feel gets enough credit. And again, do I think he's going to be a world beater? No, I don't. I don't think that. But do I think he can be a rotational piece who's going to come in and maybe get you on a hot streak nine points in a row hitting threes? That's Denzel Valentine. No, Denzel definitely stood out today, except from when Jim put him on the line and told him to hit two free throws to cut off their uh, suicide sprints. And Denzel break the first <laughs> one and literally just started booking it down the court. But in scrimmage, Denzel... Uh, the fluidity was there, the shot, the stroke was still there, and that was encouraging to see. Uh, I do think that is something that's going to be somewhat under the radar just because he is that underappreciated at this point in time, yep. given his injuries mm-hmm. and his lack of consistency. But if he can stay healthy throughout the season, the spacing that he's going to provide for this team is going to be very important. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, this gym, and I know it's practice and it's hard to say what's going to happen in a preseason game, but... I've been there twice now this year, and, and Keith was, you know, got to join me today. I was so happy he was able to make the drive up here, and then we got to go up to the United Center. But what we saw for the two and a half, three hours that we were there was a different kind of Bulls offense. It was nothing but push, 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 pace, pace, pace the whole entire time. And it, we're going to get to the stars here in this podcast, so don't worry about that. We're going to talk about your Lowry's. We're going to talk about your Zach's. We're going to talk about your KD's. And we're talking about these guys, OPJ, we're talking about them, but just the overall feel of the practice was hustle, 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 shot, shot, shot. Find the best shot you can, but whip that bitch around the corner. Just kind of how Boylan said, pass that bitch off, you know what I'm saying? He was not just looking at one spot. He was literally trying to break down a defense with who could ever do it and then swing that ball around the perimeter and then find that open three. And I felt like we saw that a lot today. And a lot of guys capitalized off of it. We saw Kobe drain a couple threes. We saw Zach, Lowry, even Thad. Thad hit two today. And I know that's not like not his game. I know he could do it, but he hit two because he was open to do so. So this offense looks like it's going to be more of a well-oiled machine than we have seen in the last two, three years. I mean, shit. I mean, I love Tibbs and, you know... Doing the you know the religious symbol right now and pointing up to God, but I love Tibbs when he was here. He did a real good job for this team. But this is a very fluid offense. I feel, and I feel like Jim is actually doing something good here. No, I mean I think Jim has kept them on point. I think bringing in uh, Fleming helps a lot in terms of the offensive aspect. I agree aspect. with that. Yep, you're right. And um, what we even saw to Zach Levine is passing up a good shot for a great shot to somebody like Ryan Archie Diacono in the corner. And, yeah. you know, during the regular season, I might kind of be like, Zach, why are you passing that up? You're a better shooter than Archie. But just the acceptance and the acknowledgement to pass up a good shot for a great shot uh, from what we saw in practice was encouraging to see just in the grand scheme of things. I think the ball is going to be moving a lot more than we saw last year. Obviously, we don't have Rolo to feed in the post all the time. Um, so that kind of takes that option away from Jim. But I really think that transition, spacing, and just playing with a good pace is going to be very important for this team, especially with the additions that they had. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. And, you know, I just want to touch on Archie real quick. And I know you got this weird-ass guy in your mentions a lot, and it's fun to bring it up because why not? You know, we're just regular dudes, man. We, we, I mean, all we did today was crack a couple beers, you know, puff on something special and then watch a couple games and, you know, do, do what we do. But, I mean, at the end of the day, man, like, Archie feels like that everyday player to you. like Or not everyday, but, you know, that everyday guy that is, is a player. And he really impressed me today. I feel like that guy is really fighting for a roster spot. And I think he knows he should be. 
Because I, honestly, we know Archie's not, I mean, when he was at Nova, we knew what he was. Like, we knew he, I knew, and you know me, I'm a college basketball nerd. I knew he wasn't getting drafted. You know, I knew that from the bat. <laughs> but, goddamn, I gotta be impressed with what, what this guy has done and who he, you know, who he's trying to mold himself to be. And I really do think that Jim Boylan brings out the best in him. And I know it sounds weird because we don't know a lot about Boylan yet just by himself. But Archie was knocking down threes today. He was playing defense. He was getting the passing lane. He was involving his teammates. He looked real good. And I know it's a practice, but people are going to tell us that constantly. I mean, even after this podcast published. Oh, it's just a practice. It doesn't matter. Well, my friend, you've never been to a Jim Boylan practice. Because that shit's intense. Very, very intense. I don't know how you feel. I want to hear about how you feel. But I think Archie looked pretty good in a very intense setting today. No, I mean, I think what we saw from Archie today is a lot of what the Bulls franchise themselves has seen from Archie throughout his stint with the team, and they see what he brings to a practice setting. And even if he's not going to play consistent minutes on the floor, that he still brings that attitude and that demeanor to practice that it isn't a joke. You are going to play your best every single play, whether it's practice, in-game, nobody's looking, and I do think that attitude is something that this team is going to feed on. You could see the brotherhood that is growing within this team, kind of behind the leadership of Thad. And I'm, I'm, I'm just so excited for the season. I can't believe that the first preseason game is less than 48 hours away. I, I, dude, I can't wait to hop on a mic after that game with you. Um, Thad, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the leadership. So there's something that Jim Boylan brought up today. We, they did an awesome uh, Q&A. Unfortunately, Keith and I had to be impatient and go get some beer, so we lost our original seats where we probably would have had a, a couple of questions answered. But people in the Bulls Nation know how to you know, ask great questions. But somebody asked the importance of Thaddeus Young today. And Jim Boylan wasn't over the moon. Like, he wasn't over the top where you're like, oh, my God, dude. Like, okay, we get it. But he was stern about it. He said that Thad has brought nothing but veteran leadership in, you know, shows the guy, you know, told the guys what it takes to win. And I'm very excited for, you know, a Thaddeus Young full season with the Chicago Bulls because I honestly, I can't believe I hear myself saying that really because, you know, Thaddeus Young at the end of the day, he was always a very good role player. But sometimes you need that. And especially in a vet form. Like, was he over, he was never over the moon whether he was with Minnesota or Brooklyn or Indiana. Did play a very, very, I don't want to undermine the role that he did play for Indiana because it was a lot more special than I thought originally he would be. But what he's bringing over here is that veteran leadership, that locker room togetherness, showing guys where to be on the court and showing guys how to do certain things. And God damn was Jim Boylan excited about that kid. And I mean, I am too. I think that Thad Young really did bring something to this locker room and, and Sato too that it really brought this team together in a way that I'm surprised how I feel about them because I'm, I've always been pessimistic when it comes to this shit. Like, of course, I look for the silver linings all the time, but I usually fall short, especially with Jerry Reinsdorf on teams. But I digress. I feel like both teams have, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf on teams have picked a lane, and, and the Bulls lane that they picked, I feel like they went about it the right way. No, I feel the message that you're sending to your team when you sign somebody like Thaddeus Young and Thomas Sadoransky, or Tomas Sadoransky instead of going out 
and trying to get a Jabari Parker or just a name that's going to be appealing to a fan base is you're telling your players, you're telling your coach, we are trying to move in the right direction. We're trying to put the right culture in place. And we are going to provide you with the players that are going to bring that atmosphere to you. And it just... It's exciting because we went from last year on taking a home run style swing on a maybe style player in Jabari Parker. And obviously, we're able to flip him into Otto Porter Jr., which in hindsight looks fantastic. It really does. That's underrated. No, it is. It is probably taken for granted what Otto Porter Jr., who we probably haven't even mentioned enough in this podcast, is going to bring to this team because. Otto hit so many threes today that I can't even count. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But um, just the fact that the Bulls took the right approach to this offseason that sent the message to fans who know the game and the players that are currently here that we're trying to provide you with the support, the leadership, and just the continuity of legitimate two-way basketball players that are going to allow for Lowry and Levine to take that step forward And also help them reach those goals. And I I think it's going to be very underrated once we get around the All-Star break, the impact that those two signings in free agency have. I I agree with you on that. I I really do. And, you know, I know they're not the sexiest signings in the world, but goddamn, I just feel like this roster just feels different. And and it's nice to see. But I want to get into what, you know, we kind of teased earlier. I want to get into the, you know, the players that a lot of fans, I mean, obviously if you're listening to this, you're a diehard and, and you're into every player, but I want to talk about the guys that make us jump up and down off the couch or off the chair, and that's Zach, Lowry, and and in my mind, KD. I know a lot of people don't probably don't feel that way about KD, but I, I still do. And um, I, I want to get into Zach first. Zach's defense looked on par today. And I, again, I understand it's practice. I get all that, but I just want to talk about what we saw. Zach's defense looked on par, and his release on his shot looked a lot faster. Oh, I could watch Zach shoot jumpers all day. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, that he was hitting <laughs> off-screen threes, standing threes, on-the-move threes. He can get to the paint without a problem. And that, I'm not saying he was dunking on everybody and making everything happen, but it was just what he was doing on the court today. And I want you to touch on it after I'm, I'm finished up. After he was, you know... After everything that he did on the court today, I was very, very pleased with what I saw from Zach. He looked stronger. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I have to agree with what you know Jim Boylan said on media day. He looks more athletic than he did. He's faster. He was, I mean, on the suicides, he was beating everybody. I mean, Zach looked good, and I'm very excited for what Zach is going to bring to this team this year, and I... We said this on the last episode. Who are we picking to be our all-stars or whatever? And obviously Zach's the easy choice or whatever. But honestly, watching him do his thing in practice today, I'm like, God damn, man. Like, this kid, screw our picks. This kid can be an all-star. No, I mean, the most encouraging thing was seeing Zach's off-ball defense, kind of that he was paying attention. And yes, once again, it's just practice. Right. But how else are you going to form the right habits? You do that in practice. And just seeing Zach cutting off passing lanes, being attentive to those kind of things, even after running 10 suicides up and down the court, you know, and having that limited energy to do so was encouraging to see. And hopefully it's something that carries over into the season. And I I don't know. Zach has always just kind of had that swag about him where you, you know 
that he knows that he knows that he's that dude. And I think he's going to bring that to the season, but I also think that he's going to bring the team mentality that he wasn't allowed to bring last year because of all the injuries out the gate. Zach had to put up 30-plus points to keep us in those games early in the season. Yep. Um, and with the roster that we have now and the depth and the veteranship that we have all over the floor, I think Zach is going to be able to pick his spots and he'll be able to save his energy for the right moments because he's going to have the supporting cast. So I think we're going to see an even more efficient season from Zach Levine, and that's kind of scary to say because when you put Zach's numbers up against the other top shooting guards in the league, despite the weight that he was carrying on a horrible team last year, his efficiency was extremely impressive. His PR is great. His PR was great. His even his um, shooting percentage, yeah. his three point percentage was above average compared to even your Donovan Mitchell's. Oh, your other all stars, right? Um, yeah. So when you see that production on a bad team, it's easy to take away from him. But when you add the pieces that the Bulls added this off season, they're going to make his job that much easier to where he can focus on those things. I think it's very possible that we see even another step from him, which is crazy to say because. He put up 24-5-5 and last year. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I mean, again, you know, you reach for things and you think, like, maybe, but there's just something about him, that it factor. He's the it. You know what I mean? He is the it factor, and I think he could do it. I mean, yeah, you know, people like, I, you know, and again, like, I love to, during these podcasts, I always, I'm, I don't call anybody call anybody out individually, right? But I always like to, you know, take people that have commented towards us or whatever on social media or whatever, and they tell me he's the, he's the next Monte Ellis on those bad Warriors teams before they came good. You haven't been watching enough Zach Levine then. And I mean that. I I, I can see why you think that scoring-wise, but at the same time, Zach did some things last year that not a lot of other shooting guards was doing. Monte was scoring. Zach was doing a lot of other things. Ma- on the Monte court. was chucking. Yeah, he was chucking. Zach was shooting efficient and involving his teammates. You know, so I, I think it's a, a different scenario there where it's very hard to compare. But, again, I, gun to my head, I take Zach Levine all day. I think that his drive is different. I think that his game is different. And I think that he knows what it takes to win. And I know it's weird, you know, coming from a UCLA background in Minnesota, not having that. I think he's seeing what it takes to, to make things happen. But we're going to move on from Zach into Lowry. Let's talk about Lowry today. Lowry hit a lot of threes. Lowry... The mo- the biggest thing for Lowry today in the scrimmages for me was his defensive rebounding. He was everywhere. And I know everybody's again, it's practice, but wait till you see Daniel Gafford in person. That dude's a beast. He's, no, yeah, a- he, he's like Tyson Chandler and Taj Gibson molded together and into a new person and it is it's it's almost scary to think that this guy fell to the second round it it is and the year prior he was a potential lottery pick in a big man draft um but Afford he showed out but Lowry's most impressive thing for me today was probably watching him play against smaller players on the defensive end his versatility and his just his footwork on the defensive end, just staying in front of the smaller position players that he was tasked with guarding in whatever situation it was. He got Kobe on a switch, and he stayed in front of him. I know, sh- and and that that is the one thing that we need to see out of Lowry and Zach, who are both more offensive. How much of an impact that has had on Sato and Kobe becoming, you know, close and 
working well together, but it was encouraging to see that Zach and Chris were communicating a lot, playing rather well together, sharing the ball, and I, I don't know. I, I know the Bulls Nation is just completely down on Chris Dunn, and he's not the fifth overall pick that you thought that we were getting, and he's not the superstar point guard, but... You don't need every single player on your team to be a star. I think Chris Dunn is going to play a pivotal role on this team and at the very least play himself into some trade value that he doesn't currently have that maybe gets this team the wing depth that we're potentially lacking if Hutch can't stay healthy. I mean, I think Dunn showed us everything that we knew about him already is that he can get to the rim at will, which he did today. Um, Had some kind of crappy turnovers, you know, yeah, the whole team had yeah, a, a lot, good amount yeah. of crappy turnovers. That was one thing that Jim was pissed about. No, yeah, it was his point of emphasis at the end of practice was, hey, guys, we got to cut out these shit turnovers. Right. But, um, but KD, other than that, I mean, got to the rim. He was looking to include his team. A positionless offense like this, that's very beneficial for KD. And at the same time... He had a couple good jump shots. I think I counted like seven mid middies that he hit. I think he hit today in practice. And I'll take that because, I mean, it was very fast-paced. It was stop-and-go kind of thing, but he, he was able to hit those middies. And that's what I kind of want to especially in a positionless game, if you're going to be able to hit middies for me and then I got guys like Lowry around the corner or Zach around the corner or OPJ or, you know, WPJ, for God's sakes, I mean, I'm going to be able to hit some threes. This guy's a midi shooter that can open that shit up. I mean, I'm going to take that all day. And I, I, I feel like KD looked good. And, again, I'm a KD homer, so I might be biased. I, I just don't know why I'm drawn to him. I, I think he's a really good player. But I, I do think he looked good today. I think that he proved that he should be the starter, too, on you know opening on, you know opening night. I know people aren't going to like to hear that because they're going to say either Sadoransky or Kobe White. It's not going to be Kobe White. I'm, re- I'm willing to put my life on that. No, yeah, they're going to make Kobe earn it. They, they yeah, made Chris Dunn earn it behind Jerry and Grant. Kobe's not going to get the keys handed to him right away. Right. Um, I do think that Sadoransky... You think he gets a nod over KD? I, I think he should. I don't know that he will. I do think that uh, the no. chemistry that we've seen between Sato and Kobe, maybe that's conducive to Sato taking the back role just because him and Kobe play that well off of each other and that'll help Kobe progress. But... Uh, For me, I do think that Sato should be the starting point guard just because of the experience, because of the style of play that he has next to Levine. Uh, I still do worry about Zach and Chris together just because Chris needs the ball and Zach loves to hold the ball. And as much as we saw Boylan get on Denzel about uh, being a .5 player and moving the ball, I don't think that's something that you're going to fully implement with Zach Levine because you want him to create by himself. See, I mean, selfishly, I'd love to see KD get the start because I want to see him uh, develop and, and become that guy that can do, you know, the defensive-minded guy that can move the ball, kind of like a Pat Bev, right? I mean, essentially. Yeah, but, but Pat Bev shooting just under 40% on, uh, like, two-thirds right. of his shots coming from three-point land. So right. Pat's adjusted his game to be that complimentary like on-ball, off-ball. Right. I feel like P-Bev came in, though. He wasn't like that. You oh, know? no. There's, worked... still, there's still people in the league that don't know that Pat Beverly can shoot the damn ball. Right. They, they, they think that he's a horrible three-point shooter. And he's not. No, he's not. Right. So, I mean, if you could look at it like, you know, if KD could do something like that, and KD, again, Chris Dunn, everybody, I'm not talking about, you know, the, the guy that plays, I think, for Brooklyn now or some shit. Or he's not going to play this year, but you know what I mean. But done. I mean, I feel like he could do that, and 
But the reason I agree with you on Sadoransky is I know he can do that, and I can know he can do it now. And he can defend. I mean, and Dunn can defend too. Like We know that. Dunn can defend like mug. But Sato could not have the ball and go stand in the corner. And when that ball has been driven into the lane by Zach or OPJ or whoever, and they need to kick it out, Sato can hit that three, man. 35% last year. No, yeah, Sato is starter-level Archie that is six foot seven and not six foot tall. Right. He is something else. And he looked good on defense today. He looked good on offense today. He moved the ball real well. And again, like me and Keith have said, that the repertoire and, and the, the, the togetherness that him and Kobe White showed was <laughs> something that I couldn't believe really watching on the court. I, and, and again, I leaned over to Keith and I was like, God damn, man, those guys played really good together. And then when we were hearing Boylan talk, he's like, those guys have gotten really close. And we're like, oh, okay. So they've been hanging out. Those guys have been going out to dinner and talking the game and doing their thing. But other than that, man, I just... I think it was a real great Bulls practice to be at. I'm very fortunate that you and I got to attend it. I, it, It's kind of cool to see. I don't know if if they do this every year. Obviously, this is my first year being a season ticket holder or whatever in my life. But I don't know if they do this every year. But if they do, wow, what a great way to see what you're looking at. And especially if you're like one of us, like somebody who doesn't just be like, oh, yeah, I love the Bulls. Somebody that literally puts time and effort in. No, yeah. If you're somebody that rolls up in the morning, grabs your phone, and scrolls down Bulls Twitter to see what the hell is going on in the morning, today was something that you would not want to miss. And (laughs) personally, the experience was worth about as much to me as your season ticket package. So, so just the fact that you know the Bulls went out of their way to do something like this for their fans was kind of cool to see. You know, you hold season tickets for every other Chicago team, and right. you, you haven't seen this kind of special I, treatment. I've never seen anything. My dad's been a, a Chicago Bears season ticket holder since 1984, right? He passed them down to me about three years ago. He, just, he didn't want them anymore, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, getting older, you don't want to go out to, you know, you don't want to go to stadium. I get it. Couch feels better than a stadium. Exactly, and, and not paying $10 a beer feels real, you know, real good. Um, then, you know, the 20 game, game plan for the Sox, you know, hit that up. Is it fun? Yeah, dude, it's great. Well, that's the same owner, so you got to think about right. it that way. Yeah, but, I mean, it's fun. You're hitting the ballpark. You're having a nice time. Don't get me wrong, bud. But then all of a sudden, you get you know you sign up for these Bulls ones and you pay for it. This is my second event in in three weeks. I'm in the UC. I'm meeting players. I'm shaking hands with the coach. No, the coach that is literally walking through the stands right. to greet every single fan that was it, in attendance. Exactly, and then you're watching them. Jim has a microphone hooked up to him as he's explaining why he's running this play, why he's running this. Hey, this is why this guy stands here. This is why this guy stands here. It's insane to see what they actually do, not just for the season ticket holders, but for their fans. I mean, you get four tickets apiece, you can bring anybody you want to. You know what I'm saying? Well, no, and I think one of my favorite moments from today was Jim and Kobe standing on the baseline on the opposite side of everybody else and Jim kind of tucking his mic in and having a little personal talk with Kobe. And it was all encouragement. It wasn't, you know, it was, hey, man, you're doing what you're supposed to. Like, it was just seeing that connection. And obviously here we've heard Kobe rave about Jim and how through his draft workouts Jim was the most relatable coach. And obviously those are things you expect to hear from a player that gets drafted by the team that he goes to. That's just PR. But 
when he says it and you could see the relationship that they're forming uh, it's it's something that i believe it's not something that i question and i feel it's just a pr stunt right i agree i agree with you on that man i mean today it was just like i said you know everybody's been skeptical you, you can always be skeptical no matter what like i mean you read something you see something whatever but like being there in person today and like kind of looking at how everything goes down and how it's all organically made under jim boylan and what his vision is i can't help but feel good about it and again am i gonna take some shit for this if the fucking team wins 30 games yeah sure i'll take some shit for it but when you're there and you look at it and everybody's all excited, I mean, and this goes for pretty much all of Bulls Twitter that I've, or Twitter, Facebook, whatever have you. Everybody's excited about Zach. Everybody's excited about Lowry. Everybody's excited about Kobe White. Everybody's excited about, I mean, OPJ for the most part, WCJ. I mean, oh, these are all great players. I think the players are there to put in place and it's time for a coach to make some shit happen. And I, I don't, 100% know if Jim's that guy, but from what I got for the sample size today, I'm all right riding to the gunshots with him. No, yeah, I mean, and uh, if you you think about the uh, mystique around the Bulls and how oh, they, they just look out for each other, they care, you know, they're just buddy-buddy, they're friends, that's why this guy's got the... No, like, you could see at the practice today, when they closed practice in say Bulls, they said family. And it wasn't the corny kind of we're a family. It was it, everybody's buying in. Like this is this is a brotherhood. They're really all bought into the same message. So regardless of how you felt about Jim Boylan coming into the season or how you feel about his corny ass phrases, you, you got to take the man for what he is. And he does care about these players, and he does care about this team. And that's that's what it takes to be a leader. Um, and I'm really excited. To have seen the players buy into that message. I, I'm with you. I mean, even when Jim was chewing out his own coaches. Take your hands out of your pockets. Play defense. I mean, dude is not fucking around. He's for real. Like, he's for real when the moment that we got there, even when he was driving on the dry race board on the beautiful new scoreboard that the United Center has, and we're getting to watch him. You know, of course, we went and got a beer during that, that time. But still, we got to see a little bit of it. I mean, he... Same guy from the locker room to the court, man. And he, he believes in what he's trying to do, and I'm 100% for that, and I'm very excited for the Bulls season. If you guys have any questions, man, you know to hit Keith at Bulls Scripted. You know he'll answer you eventually. You know me at Buzz on Tap. I'll do my best. And more importantly, be following Bulls on Tap. We're going to be bringing you this, you know, this kind of content every single night after the Bulls game. No matter what time, me and Keith are going to be here just talking shit, having a nice time. At, you know, talking about, well, maybe when we win, it'll be a nice time. When we lose, it'll probably be shitty. But, <laughs> you know, it's still going to be a great time regardless. Um, anything you have, you have else to add to, you know, something that you saw today? No, nah, man, I think just just added on to that whole family atmosphere that they're, they're trying to bring in. And I feel like the team is buying in. And, um, ah, here we go. Here's something. Adam Makoka, our two-way player. Two-way player. Come up. No, yeah, we uh, kind of skipped over that. Makoka showed some good flashes today in practice, and given the injury concerns with Hutch and Valentine going into the season, that's something that could come into play, uh, having that extra depth. I don't really know where the Bulls are leaning with their second two-way slot uh, through practice. I We didn't see too much from Simon. 
um, or any of the extra bodies that they brought into training camp today. So didn't really get a feel around who's going to get that second two-way spot. But you could see why Makoka has already secured one, one of the two. No, he he separated himself from the other guys that have been brought in. I mean, he was, I mean, a couple of the other guys that were brought in were, weren't running those scrimmages right away either. They were running the scrimmages after the you know the bench and the starters were tired. And a lot of those guys did end up staying in, like Lowry stayed in, KD stayed in, Zach stayed in, OPJ stayed in. You know, those guys stayed in. Archie tried to stay in. I think Jim actually actually ended up taking him out at one point. But Makoka, man, I mean, damn. You could tell he's worked on his J, and you heard Jim scream at him a couple times, like, hey, stop hitting the top of the rim. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. Like, aim that shit. And, you know, that's what he started doing. But defensively, he was there. Offensively, he was there. You know, I was very impressed by him. I, I really was. I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing him suiting up a couple times. Everybody loves to go on their face. Uh, he reminds me of a better offensive um, uh, David Nwaba. I feel like he's very athletic. I mean, Makoka's athletic as hell. He's a very athletic kid. But, um, you know, everybody loved Nawaba so much. The guy couldn't fucking shoot a ball that would, you know, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. But <laughs> Makoka was hitting some threes. I know people get mad about that. And I'm serious about that. Like, he, they thought he was going to lead us to a championship or something. I, You know, that's why I just throw those little daggers out. Well, well he's in Brooklyn now, so he might get a ring. Oh, he might, Yeah, he might He might get a ring, right? Well, not this year. No, but, but maybe not next this year. year. Definitely not this year, but it'll be on the coattails. Oh, he's a good role player. Then okay, so am I. Give give me the ball. I, you know, I'll stand in the corner while no one guards me. But I, I digress. Makoka did look, look real good today. I'm glad you brought that up because that was he was a player that really did impress me. Today. Simon had a couple good flashes too. I mean, nothing like. I mean, S- Simon's biggest flash was when each opposing team got to call out a shooter for a three point contest <laughs> and. Uh, the uh, black team called out Felicio, and the gray team called out Simon. So, uh, so Simon, Simon had the upper hand, but it was... Felicio it, did shoot three and then hit the fourth, I think, right? Yeah, he <laughs> hit the fourth. I think he missed the fifth and the sixth and missed all the ones prior to that. But his his goggles did let him zone in on one three-point bucket. Oh, my God. Dude, it was so hilarious. But that's that's all I got. That's all I have personally. Uh, it was a great day. I'm glad that you know Keith and I got to do this shit, man. Both scripted, been grinding for a long time, and you know uh, him and I've been buzzweed. I've been buzz on tap, whatever the hell I am today. I'm, I'm very happy that we got to hang out and make this shit happen for you guys. And I, I really hope you know. Thank you for the first four episodes, man. We've had some crazy viewers, which I'm very excited about. You know, it's not even the season yet. And, and we've been getting some really good viewers and really good engagement on what we've been putting out. So thank you for that. And that's all I got, man. You got anything else you want to add in? No, I hope you guys are excited about the season as we are. We will be here with you through it all. I hope you continue to join in. Um, it's going to be an exciting season. At the very least, we're going to be playing meaningful games for the majority of the year. And that's something that, as a Bulls fan, going into year three of the rebuild, that you should be excited about. I agree with that wholeheartedly, too. But be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You need your hot Bulls takes. You go and follow one guy. You go follow at Bulls Scripted. Then if you want some stupid takes that when I'm you know usually crying, you go follow Buzz on Tap, at Buzz on Tap. And then most importantly, when those guys come together, they make Bulls on Tap, at Bulls on Tap. So be sure you're following that on Twitter. Mina. Want to give you a shout out real quick. We tried to get Zach Levine to say hi to you, but Felicio did say hi to you. Offered us a towel for you, but we didn't take it. It was a sweat towel. We know you didn't want it, but 
Just want to throw that out there at the end of the episode. Uh, we will actually be on, this is going to be posted tomorrow morning. So this is going to be Sunday morning when people are hearing this. Hopefully before the football games uh, start going on. But we will be with C. Red Fred on Sunday night, talking with him on Chicago Bullseye. So be sure you check that out too. Fred's a good guy; always gives us uh, shouts, you know, shoutouts and shit like that. But we'll be on with him tomorrow. And yeah, that's all we got, guys. Go Bulls!